Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, I'm Nicole Giantonio, the Chief Marketing Officer at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear features Elevate Managing Director, Kemi Paulson, and Bernadette Bullicon, Chief Evangelist at ICERTIS. Bernadette and Kemi discuss CLM implementation, starting smart, and supporting legal as transformers for change. Bernadette, I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Cammie? I'm doing well. I heard you were recently traveling. You just came back from a fun trip. I came back from a fun work trip. I had the good fortune of attending the World Commerce and Contracting European Summit. And I'm just so happy. There's so many different contracting professionals from legal to procurement to sales desk. And I'm just so excited that everyone has the opportunity to get back in person and trade best practices in person. It's been really refreshing. I felt the same way recently being at Clock and talking about all the legal operations things and all things CLM, which is our favorite topic in the whole wed world. You and I know each other and we've been in this space for a long time. For folks that maybe don't know you or don't know me that are listening, how did your journey lend you to arriving at this very podcast, this very moment in CLM? At this very moment, I'm Bernadette Bullicon. I'm Chief Evangelist at iCertis. And how did I get here is a terrific question. I am an attorney by training, have negotiated, drafted numerous agreements, strategic agreements, have written playbooks for my own clients and have gone through this in a very paper and manual approach. That is my professional training. But sometime in early 2000, I was introduced to the world of legal technology. I had the good fortune of being a founders of a company called Serengeti. It was a matter management and e-billing system for corporate legal departments. So for the last two decades, I have been working with corporate legal departments, thinking about technology. I remember when there was no clock. There was legal ops, but we certainly didn't call it legal ops back then. This has been part of my journey for the last two decades, working with legal departments again on technology. I have seen general counsel cut their teeth on a lot of different technology. Just as you described, clock, CLM is the new horizon for corporate legal departments. And not just corporate legal departments, but across the enterprise, it is just so exciting to see this trajectory of technology, taking those learnings and applying it to CLM, which is what I do now with ICERTIS, helping organizations think about what those steps are that are necessary as they start the CLM journey. It's so wonderful to have the experience of doing the job. I started out as a paralegal doing transactional work for high-tech, high-growth media company. I did a lot of the negotiation. I supported the sales team and the HR team and the litigation team. And so I was doing all the things with a piece of paper and a checklist. And I was like, this is for the birds. I need some help just to keep my sanity. So I started looking into different technology in the legal ops world. And at the time, I mean, there were some for in-house counsel, but there weren't a lot to help me move contracts around. So I wasn't the bottleneck for one thing, and I wasn't the one fielding a million requests via email. And so I became a consumer of legal tech and then eventually jumped the fence as an implementation and engagement manager. And I worked implementing really large enterprise customers 
for the different CLM tools and technology out there. And I really learned about all the complexities of contracting across an organization. It's not just a procurement function. It's not just a legal function. It's a company-wide function. And so I got a lot of understanding about use cases and challenges that in-house legal teams were dealing with. And I spent two wonderful years at Isertis. Isertis is one of my favorite platforms because I work there. So I understand the team and, and the vision and forte. And then we work really well together as a team now helping clients figure out how do we get from A to B? That's the exact issue, right? How do we get to A from A to B in a more efficient way? And Cammie, what I love about the work that you're doing is that you speak the language of legal. And I think that's so important because folks in legal are used to being in the four walls of legal. CLM presents so much opportunity when it is skilled correctly, when it is driven outside of those four walls of legal out into the enterprise. I know that deploying e-billing or matter management, it's different than CLM. And that's why I'm so glad we've got this great partnership. We need all of those good forces to make sure those implementations are done well and successfully. Not only to understand the language of legal, but how to best showcase legal being transformers of change. That's the opportunity right now. Yeah. And not only that, but as we talk to legal, we end up needing to understand and translate the needs of the business. So it's not just a legal discussion, right? And sometimes we're just the translators from legal to procurement to the business to try to make everyone work together in the most efficient way. It's across the entire organization. Some of the things that I wanted to talk to you about are obviously CLM and some different ways that can make CLM successful. And I talk to customers about this all the time. They don't know where to start. Where do we start, especially if they haven't had CLM before? And so I wanted to get your thoughts on phasing an implementation versus Big Bang? What's the best approach? I get that question all the time. And in true legal fashion, I always want to say, it depends. It depends on a couple of things. So where do we start that discussion? When a customer comes to me and they say, I have an enterprise license with Isertis. We're planning on deploying this throughout our multi-geo, multi-BU, all of the things, right? They're trying to boil the ocean to implement everything. And we understand why, because contracting affects every single line of business. What are your thoughts about Big bang versus phasing an approach? Well, first, I think you're right. Everyone faces that question, big bang versus small. And I think it's very easy to want to go big bang. I mean, I think when you look at the sophistication of the tools, how rich and robust that they are, the fact that you can and should go out of the four walls of the legal department, if you have the language capabilities that you can be global and it can help procurement, it's no wonder that people are overwhelmed by that. I was just speaking to a customer who said when they first started their implementation, they were so excited. They were wide-eyed like kids in a candy store. And you can understand because you can do this and this and this and this. And I love that. I love the fact that customers and prospects have the opportunity to think big. So I'm a huge proponent of thinking big and having big vision and for companies to choose tools that can help them think big. But you're absolutely right that to be successful, I am a proponent of not starting small, but starting smart. Starting smart means really understanding what your North Stars are, what and a smarter deployment, what that would mean for the company. Some of the things that I see with these smarter deployments is let's have stage gates and build out of those stage gates. Let's be comfortable being okay iterating. But 
identifying in that first stage gates, again, what those North Stars are that are imperative. What smaller universe of agreements do we want to cut our teeth on? Because that'll do a few things. You'll have some early wins. You'll have a team of champions that are like, this was successful, and they will help you be successful in the next stage gates. However, you've divided each of those stages, creating not just the playbooks for each of those agreements, but the playbooks to go through each stage gate is really important. I am a fan of dream big and think big and have a technology partner that can help you solve the problems today and then solve the problems that you can't even anticipate that you're going to have down the road. And choose a right implementation partner that will help you to travel through each of those stage gates. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think in a practical way, having the big grand vision is wonderful because it's great to have all those stakeholders on board to understand the vision from the beginning and where we're trying to drive and what our success criteria will be. Those things are all so very important. But I think having a strategic plan for that rollout for the phases that you might take on is important too. And I get asked a lot of times by customers, again, where do we start? And what does the strategic plan look like? Some things I want to ask you about that I often recommend are starting with maybe a business unit that's the most ready. Readiness is key, right? We talk about this a lot in CLM. Readiness around your contract templates being sort of in order. Readiness in knowing where they are. I tell this story often. One of the worst experiences I ever had as a paralegal was failing an audit because I couldn't put my hands on all the documents. And so creating a repository is an important thing. So there's a lot of pieces to CLM that you can still break down into manageable chunks for customers. And I just wanted to get your feeling about starting with the low-risk, high-volume contracts in the India world. To me, that's an easy win, quick start for a lot of customers to lift their attorneys out of that administrative work into the more high impact work that they're doing with some of their larger strategic customers. What do you think about starting with that self-service model as a first step into CLM? We've seen several customers do that. I think what's funny is that some people dismiss it at first, like what NDAs, that's it. When companies finally take a look at how robust their NDA process actually is. We worked with a customer that realized that, oh, they had dozens of NDA templates around the globe when they actually understood how complex it is. It was an aha moment for them. But again, this was a great playbook for them. And because they were able to cut their teeth on their NDAs, it gave them an opportunity not just to harmonize this template, but to also understand how to harmonize this template. Who are all the people that you need to speak to to understand what that process is? And doing that with an NDA is going to be a lot easier than doing it on some other strategic type of agreement. That's not to say you can't do it, but there's something really powerful doing it with the NDA. Create their template, their playbook to start training. Because in addition to how to harmonize the agreement, how to understand the workflow and deploy that within the system, they had the opportunity to learn to just appreciate how complex these things are. Doing something like an NDA, reviewing your NDA process from harmonizing the agreement to understanding working approval processes, again, will pay dividends in the end. 
I'm a big fan of this notion of starting smart. What's your opinion? I love a challenge of a go big customer. Like let's roll our sleeves up and sit down and figure out what this really looks like. Like that's fun to me, but I am a strange bird in the CLM space and I've been here for a long time. So a problem sounds exciting. Starting with NDA or maybe a governing agreement that's pretty easy, like an MSA that's not lengthy or complex, that doesn't have a lot of fields in it, is always my favorite place to start for a lot of the reasons you said, but for some other reasons. I talk to a lot of customers in a sales cycle where they're vetting different partners and they're trying to figure this out. What do we need to include in the SOW? What do we need to account for? And I feel like a lot of customers that are considering a big bang implementation, there's a lot of angst about all the things we don't know. And what does metadata mean? And how many fields? We spend a lot of time educating the customers, which is okay. I mean, that's what we're here to do, right? Is to help them to understand. But I feel like they're so concerned. There's this fear of needing to get it right in the SOW because we're so scared of change orders and we're so scared of not getting it right that there's a little bit of analysis paralysis when we think about Big Bang. And that's only in the SOW. They're trying to figure out how many approvals do I need and how many metadata fields. And it's a lot of pieces and moving parts to figure out when you've maybe never done this before and you're a GC or you're a counsel and this is not your day job. You don't necessarily understand the tech. There are some unique attorneys that both understand legal tech and they understand that the world of contracting. Implementing software is not their day job. If we can get away from the big bang approach and having to understand and know every single nuance that could possibly happen, that takes a lot of angst out of the process. So that's just upfront in the SOW negotiation. And then moving into the actual implementation, I find there's so many positives to starting small that are maybe not tangible. And maybe it is measurable, but like attorneys, they have so much more time when they're not chasing down the details in email and requests are coming to email inboxes. If you can truly enable self-service to an organization, sales can move faster. Legal is not the bottleneck. There's so many gains there in cycle time alone. But more than that, it is education. You can talk about the cost drivers of an implementation, like the number of metadata fields and the number of contract types that we're going to build. Most of us don't understand what that means until we walk through it, until we do the implementation. An aha moment for our customers when they can actually see, okay, this is what it means. And this is how the contract is going to be generated, etc. So it takes a lot of pressure off if we start there. And then to your point, it educates. So in the next cycle, the next phase, the next contract type, you're armed with education as a buyer. You know now what it's going to mean to take requirements and what it's going to take to build and what it's going to take to test. Like You understand that and you've done it in an NDA, which is very manageable. I'm a big proponent for a lot of reasons to start there. And I think that kind of segues in because you've been talking about harmonization, that we've developed a joint package around this exact thing, which is called Smart Start. And the front end of it is loaded with harmonization for our customers that don't have time to do harmonization. And I want to explain this a little bit. You mentioned 15 different versions of an NDA. And I must have this conversation at least 11 times a day myself, explaining to customers, you know, in some cases, you maybe have 15 different NDAs. And the reason for that is you've got different attorneys that save their favorite version on their laptop, or you have a mutual or a one-way, or you have it for different jurisdictions. And the glorious thing about Isertis and CLM is that the system is smart enough to render the correct version that you need and create one contract type workflow called NDA because we can load up the right clauses in order for the system to render it for you. I often educate customers around that because when they come to us and answer like a scoping questionnaire, they look in a shared drive and they can't, oh, we got 56 contract types. And then 
that's some sticker shock. It's really not that many. It's probably closer to a handful if we were to consider all the things that I've just mentioned. We developed the Smart Start package because of that. We understand that contract types are a driver. And most customers don't have as many contract types as they think if they've done a harmonization exercise. So I just wanted to get your take on what harmonization means in the legal world and how we can best use that to implement the best first pass NDA or any other agreement that we would pick for phase one. I was just having this conversation with other contracting professionals. We were lamenting the fact that contracting in negotiation, quite frankly, is about past traumas, past contracting traumas. And so you're an attorney and you got burned on a particular clause and every agreement, whether it's a driver or a factor, you're going to make sure that that clause is in there. And that lends all of the different versions of what really is one workflow. Going through that process and realizing that is a journey in of itself before you think of the technology. So I think it is so key to have, again, that smart start. I can't tell you the number of times when someone would say like, we have 56 templates. And I'm like, well, that means you probably don't have a template. Having the opportunity, again, to do this without the pressure and the anxiety with something like an NDA is a very smart way. Once you've harmonized that content, that NDA, the other parts of this process, whether it is workflow, developing KPIs, all of that is the hurdles that might be there are less daunting if you have that harmonization in place, for sure. This mindset where it is daunting, there is so much pressure, the notion that attorneys need to get it right. And the ability to do this where you might feel more comfortable failing or fumbling early on and being able to iterate, that pays dividends. And I know that this notion of failing or fumbling for an attorney is inconceivable But again, the deployment of technology is not their wheelhouse. Many of us who've, again, had the pleasure of deploying CLM and other enterprise techs understand that you iterate. I agree with you. And going back to the Smart Start package, that's why I love the harmonization piece so much because most attorneys, me a million years ago when I was a paralegal, I didn't have time to go through all of our templates and figure out which was the best clause that we used all the time. Creating a clause library was like the holy grail. I thought I'd never have time to do that. I'm so busy with my workload. And I know that our professionals in the space are as busy as ever. They've got more work less staff potentially. And so they're trying their best to keep up. And so harmonization is one of those nice to have exercises that we don't find a lot of customers are able to find the time to do. I love the fact that we've decided to partner in that space, having Elevate with their legal DNA, we're able to have lower cost resources that our attorneys look over all your versions of your NDA and collapse them down into the, I call it the best and blessed where we can say the clauses that are really different are X, Y, and Z. Maybe it's jurisdiction, maybe it's limitation of liability, and these are our fallbacks. And just that exercise alone synthesizes and harmonizes your template, but it also gives you such visibility into the next step of defining the fields and the workflow in the CLM environment. So once you've gone through that exercise, that makes things clip along so much quicker because you're not stuck in that, well, do we need this field? And does it drive this clause? There's so much less of that back and forth that has to happen if you do the harmonization exercise first. It just clears the road for successful implementation. And to your point, we called it a luxury. It's not a luxury. It's a must-do, quite frankly, to get it right. I was having this conversation about my three ring binders that I would have as a practicing attorney. And I would print out or I would copy and paste 
certain clauses. I was like, that is a beautiful indemnification clause. I'm going to print it out and put it in my three ring binder for indemnification clauses. What I love about what we're describing is that this needs to be done. It will pay dividends as you go into your technology environment and thinking about workflows. More so for legal departments to think about having to capture this information in a really organized way. Because you know what happened? I would take my three ring binders and all of those clauses and all of that knowledge about how I negotiated and why with me. There are dividends that you may not even realize by doing this exercise now that I think organizations, legal departments are realizing. You took me back with that three ring binder comment. I used to have the works of art clauses that I'd seen from other legal professionals were in those binders. There was no way I would ever leave those binders. I know somewhere in my garage, there are two banker boxes filled with my clause library. We joke about it, but that's also a tragedy that there wasn't an exercise, not just to harmonize, but to capture that information. We are in agreement that harmonization and clause libraries are a super successful part of CLM and what makes ultimately down the road, what makes your implementation successful. So let's talk about some other things that make your implementation successful, like talking about what's next after NDA when you have a consultant. I oftentimes will say when you have a consultant like Elevate or you're working with a partner to implement after NDA, do you pick your most complex agreement to work through with your implementation partner or do you maybe take less complex or do you go to the business unit that's crying the loudest? What do you think about the strategy after the NDA is in place? Because I talk to customers about this a lot and there's a lot of variables to it, right? Which department might be more ready? Which agreements might already be harmonized or ready to go? Do we want to step into the most complex? What are you hearing when you talk to customers or what are your thoughts on that? I think the strategy really is a prioritization exercise. Before we even start, what are the North Stars for this organization? What were the drivers for CLM? There are champions out there that bless the initiative who may not be part of rolling up their sleeves and getting it done, but we have to understand what those drivers are. I've seen it successfully done on both ends where the next step has been a really complex agreement. And I'll tell you why the really complex agreement worked. With the help of the right consultant, this organization was able to take a very complex agreement that each geo had their own separate agreement. But they had a particular exercise where they actually discovered that while they thought they had a multitude of different templates, they were able, because they had the opportunity to take the time harmonize the agreement. They understood that 70% of the agreement was actually the same, notwithstanding all of the different flavors. And then they matched where differences and why. That helped in the technology to identify for this, we're going to need to check boxes here and surface these clauses. And so for this organization with this particular template, of the 30%, they were able to use the technology to figure out the next 20%. And then there was a portion where what they said was, we're not going to let the technology replace legal judgment. And so there were some instances where it was still an open question and they had a process by which whether a particular clause would be added was not determined by technology. I share that story because what they had was a battle of the forms internally within their organization 
they realized that, oh, like we actually really do agree. And they created processes, both with technology and good old fashioned picking up the phone processes to understand the rest. Their strategy to choose the hardest agreement was a concerted choice. And that was because they felt that if they could do the hardest one, they gave themselves the time to do that. They didn't feel this time crunch. They didn't have fake deadlines that they were trying to hit. What they found by doing that, every other agreement afterwards, they had the playbook. So they understood this is going to be much easier because we've gone through the hardest part. I think you can do a difficult template. I like to look where I'm going to get bang for my buck. It always depends on the customer readiness for change in a process. Oftentimes, we think a process or a contract is very complicated when it's not necessarily the document that's complicated. It's all the process around it that's complicated. I'm always a fan of looking at the people and the process first and then the technology, even though many times we already know what the technology is going to be. It's how are we going to build it based on challenging some of the things we're doing today in our process. Because as wonderful as Isertis is, it's not going to fix a broken process where you've done something for a long time and you've done it this way and there's all these emails and gates and things that you're doing internally. Is that difficulty truly necessary? Especially when you're thinking about what things that the tech can handle, like approval matrix or things like that, for example. I always want to dig into the process first, which I think helps customers figure out that maybe they're not as complicated as they think they are, or they should be less so. I agree. And I'm going to put the people first. Are these people... Are these people ones that are willing to change? Because I do think where I do see CLM failures, when the people are saying, this is our process, that we have to do it this way, and we've just given them a faster way to implement their bad process, that is where we see failure. Taking a look at the processes and having people be ready for that. We could probably spend the next half hour also talking about the change management and the people management and the culture management that is necessary to undergo something as transformational. But I do think people and process have to come first because the technology worth its weight will be able to handle output. The people and process is imperative. The proxies for legal departments that you are ready for this. And it is your willingness to change process, your willingness to take a hard look at your template and go through an exercise of harmonization before the technology take a look at those processes is indicative to me that you are ready to go on this journey. I so agree with you. I've sat in a lot of requirements gathering sessions over my lifetime. One of my favorite questions and probably one of the most irritating for the customers that I work with is always why. Why are we doing that? What I find is when you have a consultant like me or the folks on the Elevate team that asks you, why are you doing that? Please explain it to me. And in the verbalization... There's the realization that why are we doing all of these things? Why are we keeping 17 spreadsheets? And why are we having seven different approvals for this change or that? Why are we doing this? We've always done it, Cammie. We have always done it this way. Challenging process is really imperative. So you have to be ready to take a look at contracts, actual physical documents, and the process and the people that are working need to understand this is going to be part of the process to win and have a successful implementation is to be able to challenge all the things you've done before because this is a new way of doing things. Something else I wanted to ask you about, what are some lessons learned on going with the Big Bang implementation and not taking the time to do these activities that we're talking about, like harmonization or like looking at process? 
technology in and of itself is not a magic bullet. And to think really hard about why it's important to have all of these wins and to build a team of champions and to have these playbooks. And that's not to say that these playbooks aren't going to change. Again, starting smart gives you the ability to learn, to be okay with iteration. It gives you this opportunity, again, whether it's harmonization, understanding, training, developing playbooks, whether it's with workflows or how to do these larger integrations, how to work outside the four walls. It's really important work to do. Here's the thing. I am so thrilled about what I'm seeing in legal ops. While there's some days that I want to shake my fist and say the change has come too slowly, I'm actually really impressed with what I've seen the level of maturity that has happened in the last five years, this understanding that that there are other options than Big Bang and there are dividends that can be paid. It's a level of maturity because they've been part of other implementations and they know that they cannot repeat those mistakes again or they want to uncover what might be landmines before they go into the next business unit or into the next geo or into the next division. Yeah, I would agree with you. I've been in the space for long enough. I've actually been a part of implementing a CLM or knowing they were a customer of the CLM I was with that was implemented at one provider. And then three years later, when the contract's up, they're implementing another tool. And then three years later, when that's up, they're implementing another tool, trying to find the right fit. And anytime I see that or hear that, I think to myself, they didn't do the hard work first to figure out their processes. Uh, Maybe they didn't have the right guidance. They weren't considering all the things that are important. And I bring that up because we do a lot of assessments of current implementations to try to help customers get the most out of what they're already paying for, to expand, to do different things like that. And I did one last year for a customer that was looking at ripping and replacing. And they actually did a cost analysis on ripping and replacing a tool. They came up with a pretty astonishing number. It was about $1.5 million to rip out a CLM and put in a new one. And that is astounding to me that we're still seeing that exercise happen every three years for corporations because they're not getting it right the first time. There's been a high level of implementations in the early part of implementing CLM that didn't go so wonderfully. And I think we've learned from that as service providers, as customers, as implementation experts. We need to dig into the process and the people and the agreements first to be successful in the long run. I do want to say that I agree with you in maturity because now, probably within the last four or five years, I see this less and less because corporations have become more mature and they are looking at ways to be more efficient in their software implementation. I wonder if you've heard those kind of stories out there when you're talking to customers. Absolutely. And that is why I brought this maturity piece up. There was a bit of like, this will be a magic wand and will solve all problems immediately. I am an evangelist about the power of CLM. I truly believe it. If there is some diligence and work that needs to be done by these organizations with the help of services and people like Elevate that can come to bear to make them successful, whether it is through that harmonization process, really understanding those processes, being the challenger about why are you doing that? Such a powerful question. So you're asking me, have I seen rip and replace? I certainly have. And I always want to understand 
the why of that replace. Sometimes it might be that we did a one year where we were testing out and putting our big toe into the CLM water and it wasn't the right fit. Even in the last five years, when you think about the functionality that has been built in the innovation, there are things that may not have been here five years ago that are here now that if you take advantage of it, it might mean going to a different platform. A lot of times, was it a training issue? Or was it a change in management? Again, to look at people, process, the technology. I think there are things that when you are ripping and replacing that you have to look at all three of those things to really understand. Sometimes I'm not too worried about the rip and replace because I do think that, gosh, what we've seen in development in the last few years is incredible. I wanted to pull the thread a little bit about what you said in the last five years and how technology has changed. And I think about the early days of on-prem applications that we were all using. And now with everything being in the cloud, it's opened up this entire new world of integrations with customers that allow the users to sort of stay in their tool of choice for a lot of the contracting process. So I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts around the things that iSertis is doing in that space with its connectors and adapters. I know you guys recently announced your partnership with SAP. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what you're seeing and how that's affecting contracting for your customers. I think it's a game changer, quite frankly. The benefits there might be as simple as not having to double key for users to stay in whatever native technology that they're most comfortable in. And that is such a game changer for adoption purposes. We pride ourselves at iCertis on our integrations, on our plugins and our adapters and the flexibility. We often think of CLM as a sound system and the fact that you can plug in so much information and export information to those other systems. That is what we live for, is that contract intelligence and having it be fifth system of record. Do you have to get it right in your legal department? You absolutely do. Do you have to play nicely with other businesses? Yes, you have to. And playing nice is not just how you work in processes, but the systems that you need to integrate into and with. To me, that is just a huge game changer. And we've got some incredible partners on that front, whether it is SAP. I think about being able to generate contracts right out of Salesforce, being able to extract that data and put it into other enterprise systems. I agree. And I think that's a great note to end the podcast on. I think in summary, we all are moving very fast. Things are moving faster sometimes than we can keep up with. And if we take some time in the beginning to slow down and really look at all of the processes and where they're broken before we take that leap of faith into CLM, we'll benefit by having the ability to move so much faster with information and data that's reliable. Anything I missed in the key summary? I'll end where I started. I invite organizations to think big. We think big all the time. And CLM is that powerful. I think when you have the right partners and the right technology in place, you can start smart and scale fast. That is where you'll be able to sing your CLM story from the highest mountain. Yes. Agree. Thank you so much. This was fun. We should do it again. We will, Cami. I'm sure of it. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and ElevateServices.com.